You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. It does not serve you. It does not help you. And it actually displays Mm. where your trust is. Mm -hmm. And your trust is not placed firmly in him, right. your trust is going like, oh, it's it's loose. It's in the air going like, what can I possibly trust? Because I know I'm going to let me down. God wasn't punishing us no. by saying, keep the Sabbath. Right. He was saying, you actually need yeah. this. Then we forego it. And we like we forego a lot of his commands. And then we're surprised when we're not experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. Because it's like, as long as I'm thinking about me, the enemy has like room to play and to kind of like play his hand. But once I start declaring who God is, um, it kind of melts away. Hey, this is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my incredibly talented co-host first, Mrs. Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? I'm doing great. And you know, the listeners will never know what day we recorded this on because I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> That's good. It's a mystery. It's, it's in the vault. It's, it's, in, in, the vault. it's in the vault. Also with us t- today, <laughs> tonight, this morning, who knows what who time knows? of day we're recording. This could be anywhere. Chelsea Griffin, my wife. How you doing today, Chelsea? Uh, doing good. Happy to be here. Good. It's my house, but always happy to be here. <laughs> I do like being in now our house. Now they know like, where we are. Oh, no, I'm man. Just kidding. They could be here right now. We're doing a... A live show with our stalkers tonight. <laughs> Strike it. <laughs> I've always wanted a stalker. Uh, Strike that, that would too. be wonderful. I'll, I'll stalk you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Strike it all. Brad. What are you talking about? This is good stuff. This is high quality material. I will stalk you, Chelsea Griffin. Yeah. I have your location on my phone. I can yeah. find you wherever you go. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, let's kick it off with Surreal. a little shout out from one of our listeners. Listen to this. This is a brand new hot off the presses review for the Family Discipleship Podcast. It's titled Such a Great Resource. Five-star review, ladies. It says, I have benefited greatly from listening to these conversations related to family discipleship. As a mom of two, also working a full-time job, listen to this, Cassie and Chelsea. She says, it's hard to find resources not developed specifically for the stay-at-home mom, but mm-hmm. this podcast is able to speak into different types of families and encourage parents to persevere in discipling their children. How sweet is that? That's what super encouragement. Sweet. Yeah. And don't forget about the church workers. We're here for y'all too. Thank you. Amen. Church yeah. workers, moms, dads, working moms, stay-at-home moms. I got two emails moms. from volunteers at our church who listen to this podcast so they can feel resourced and who love it. I One love it the, too. Yeah. yeah. I've had the same thing happen so with uh, single women who um, serve in some capacity yeah. with young people so and say that, that our podcast benefits them. And I'm just... I'm like so honored and flabbergasted, yeah. you know? Yeah. Flabber, honored and flabbergasted. Flabber. Flabber. I didn't pronounce it right, but I still love the word. Flabber. Honored and flabber, flabbergasted. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's super sweet to me that anybody would listen to our podcast. Like to me, is it, the benefit enough is uh, getting together with you two, having these conversations, and yeah. especially how, how much I've been ministered to by some mm. of our guests. Amen. Uh, Chelsea, do you, do you listen to our podcast? <laughs> You know what? I listen to the episodes I'm not on. And I'll tell you that that one with Ruth Chow Simons was great. She's so great. I loved it. I was like, man, I'm sad I missed this. However, if I had been on it, then I wouldn't have gone back and listened to it. Well, but I can't listen. But you wouldn't have needed to because you would have been, you would have been present there. for it. So. Right. But I'm convinced that I have an undiagnosed speech impediment, so I can't listen. No way. What? Yeah. Ruth Chow was great, though. Yeah, she was great. Man. That was a great episode. Yeah. Shout out Ruth Chow. She'll, be at, she'll be at our church this weekend. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. So uh, tonight we are talking about anxiety. 
anxiety. You feeling anxious about it? Yeah, a little bit. Just oh. a little short of breath. <laughs> a little short of breath. Heart palpitations. Okay, well, now I'm going to tell people that it is what day of the week it is. It is a Sunday while we record this. And I have learned recently about the Sunday scaries. What is that? Do you guys know about that? I don't think I want to know. <laughs> you don't know? No. Well, it's not really, for church workers, this wouldn't be as much of a thing. But go ahead. Yeah, because yeah. your work week starts or um, That's right. We're, we're already scaries. one day in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We would have the Saturday yeah. scaries. It's basically like, you know, a generation more plagued with anxiety. This is like a, a thing. It's a this, and I could be wrong because I'm old, but what I've gathered from them trying to tell me about it. Is from this, the youths? From the youth, when I asked them to teach me something new. <laughs> they, I, I learned about the Sunday scaries, which is like the, the big anxious feelings you get. About your week. About your week, about everything like coming up. Like the piling to-do list. Yeah, that, or, the, or like going, going back, back to work. Going back to work tomorrow. So like, if your work is a, is a hard place, like going, yeah. oh my gosh, I have to go back. I, like I feel like as soon as someone explained this to me, I'm like, I bet teachers everywhere Feel, students. I feel, feel like that. my kids have the Sunday oh, scaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're they're right. Like I putting didn't think all their about homework that. in and they're like, oh gosh, I forgot to do this or I have that test tomorrow. And yeah. Oh yeah. Sunday scaries. I feel like I'm at a general like uh, hum of anxiety that doesn't go up or what? down. It's just I'm constant. the same way. Lifetime yeah. scaries. Lifetime scaries. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's mine the is like the constant hum of being reminded that I'm not in control. Yeah. And that makes me anxious because I'm, I don't know. Why does that make you anxious, Cassie? Why would you want to be oh, in control? In my pride, I think I'm the best <laughs> and I should be in control. Yeah. And then I'm reminded, oh no, God's in control and he's good and I can trust him. And right. it, there is kind of this constant like buzz of like, you're not in control, you're not in control. Right. Like, and it's not explicit like that, right? It's just like a feeling of if I could get what I wanted, this would be better. But since yeah. I can't, I need to, I'm kind of in a, a state of panic. Yeah. It's like a right? red light when I'm running late. Or we have uh, so many friends who torture themselves with the wor- the the hypothetical worst case scenario, right? Mm-hmm. So since I'm not in control, this might happen. And what if it does? And therefore, since that might happen, I'm scared. And whether that's with one of their kids, one of my kids might die, or one of my kids might hate me, one of my kids might choke, one of my kids might, you know, fill in the blank. And you go worst case scenario, and you are torturing yourself with a hypothetical that the Lord has not promised. And if it does happen, worrying about it right now did not help you. We're right? just mm-hmm. unlocking all sorts of anxiety. Or am, I, am I making more anxious yes, talking no, about no, no, it? Okay. Yeah, we should have done a trigger warning. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a modern thing too, that you have to Listeners, like- Listeners, we're sorry. <laughs> you have to warn that for the triggers. Yeah, trigger, trigger warning, everybody. Trigger we're, warning, we're talking about anxiety. We're talking about it. It's the title of the episode, so hopefully you weren't shocked. <laughs> but yeah, we are going to talk about things that make us anxious a little bit. Well, first, when I say the word anxiety, what kind of things come to mind for you guys? What uh, what words, what definitions, or just what associations? You know, I would have never thought of myself as an anxious person until a few years ago. And I was discovered I'm an angry person. But then the underneath the anger actually was anxiety. Mm. And it was my husband. You mean like they're rela- like the anger and the anxiety were related? Yeah, like the anxiety. It was, I was mad because I wasn't in control mm. of whatever was going on. And so uh, it was my biblical counselor husband who was like, I think you're anxious. I was like, no, mm. I'm angry. He's like, no, I think you're anxious. And yeah. Well, you're making me angry. You're pointing he, that out. Stop telling me. <laughs> he doesn't usually counsel me. He, yeah, we've kind of set that precedent very early on. But it was very helpful to think about like, oh, what's fueling that the the out the kind of outcome of my anxiety was kind of all of this that worry that hum underneath it mm. all that is just like a constant reminder. There's something about kids that are constantly reminding you, yeah. I have no control. Mm-hmm. And and well, like, in no. there, like you know, when you're a parent, your children are also like the most precious yeah. thing. So you you get. God's so sweet to give you something so valuable. And then you're like, okay, but don't take it from me and don't, and don't hurt them. And don't, you know, 
then there's so many things that yeah. come with it. So they're yes. a precious gift, but then we don't have all the control and then we don't have a promise. Right. Chelsea, with, with your work, because you're a labor and delivery nurse, do you see, you talk to a lot of women who are pregnant. Mm. And I feel like, this may not be true, but I feel like anecdotally I've seen this be true, that there's a sense at which when they're still pregnant, they feel very out of control. But if if we could just make it to birth and the baby's born, then like, oh, now everything's going to be okay <sighs> yeah. if the baby's yeah. born healthy. And Yeah, they have like, no idea that, that the baby's safest in the womb. <laughs> yeah, they have no idea that it's like, the thing about anxiety is that if it's not one thing, it's another. Like yeah, sometimes pe- people that. think like I'm anxious about money um, or I'm anxious about mm. my kids or my health or whatever. But the reality is, is that if anxiety is, is like, if it's essentially a discipline, like it's something that you nurture and that you practice, mm. if it's not one thing, it's another. So as soon as you secure one thing or control one outcome or get- Get the outcome mm, you wanted. Get the outcome you wanted. It feeds that. But there will be something else to be anxious about. So, yeah. so yes, I take care of a lot of women that are very, very anxious about the birth process. Right. Um, and we can get through that. It's my joy to help try to coach them through that and, and think about that. But, yeah, I think they're a little bit unaware that... There's she, another hill to climb. Oh, big time. Yeah. And, and it's not an 18-year hill. It's... it's the rest it's, of your life. It's forever. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it's forever. And like I said, if you don't learn how to... As believers, if we don't learn how to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, um, then it will. This will continue to just consume us. Yeah. And, and the enemy's goal is for it to destroy us, right? Because mm-hmm. anxiety really is rooted in overestimating the threat, underestimating my capacity to handle mm-hmm. it, a feeling of not being in control. Th- those are the roots of those things. Well, the enemy would love for us to just absolutely believe that there is no one good in control, yeah. um, that we are not cared for, that we cannot handle anything, that we have, we don't have strength, we're not equipped, believe those things, and then live accordingly. And yeah. That's his hope, right? He wants to yeah. steal, kill, and destroy. Can you say that again? We're overestimating what and underestimating what? Overestimating a threat and underestimating our ability to handle it. Hmm. And a lot of times things people are anxious about are legitimately would be legitimate forms of suffering. However, you know, Jesus says that the tomorrow can be anxious about itself. And, and the scripture also says his grace is sufficient. And so we have to remember that he's giving us the grace for what we have today. So if we can imagine something catastrophic um, that we fear, and that, that thing really could happen. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that's an important point. That really could happen. However, today you don't have the grace to handle that because it's not happening to you. Right. Right. Right? Like, haven't we all seen somebody go through something and we think to ourselves, if that happened to me, I would crumble. How is she handling it? How are they doing it? Because I would crumble. And we underestimate God's grace in that moment that he's being sufficient in the day for them. So he's giving them the grace. He's holding them up through that situation enough for each day and we're not in it. So we're not being handed that grace yeah. to say, here's how you handle X, Y, or Z. We need to come back to this in the so what section too. Okay. Yeah, we can land the plane good, there too. The, yeah. That's a good word for parenting our kids' anxiety. But I think uh, one of the points you're kind of making here, we would say it like this, is that 
uh, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean everyone's not after me, right? I think about that all the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> it's this idea of like, just because I'm anxious doesn't mean things aren't going to about to go really poorly. Right. We go like, yeah, that's true. Right. Things might go poorly. The reason the Lord warns against anxiety is not because you might be giving an accurate prediction of the bad thing that's about to happen. Yeah. And he's worried that you might be accurate. It's that it does not serve you. It does not help you. And it actually displays mm. where your trust is. Mm-hmm. And your trust is not placed firmly in him, right. your trust is going like, oh, it's it's loose. It's in the air going like, what can I possibly trust? Because I know I'm going to let me down. Mm-hmm. Now, we should make a couple of distinctions here at the beginning. We're not talking about a clinical anxiety that needs to be medicated. We're not giving advice on those kind of things no, tonight. Right. We're not talking about some kind of... Um, we're not psychologists or psychiatrists who are going to speak into the uh, pervasive anxiety that this culture is facing right now. But I do want us to talk about the general sense of how because there is sin in the world, my heart gets anxious, your hearts get anxious, mm-hmm. parents' hearts get anxious because we want control. We want things to go the way we want. And so we worry that they will not. Mm-hmm. And it's that worry that's the distress about danger, distress about misfortune, distress about how things might go, that then we is a torment to us and is not a help to us, is not a blessing to us. And so if that's kind of helping us kind of lay the groundwork for anxiety, let's talk about it personally. Where is anxiety a struggle for you, particularly as a parent? Where is this difficult for you? Oh, man. Go ahead, Cassie. I mean, I'm trying to think of an area of parenting that anxiety has not infiltrated. (laughs) I mean, I think it's because we just care so much. That's right. And I I mean, I understand the um, overestimating threat and underestimating my ability to, like, I, I totally understand that idea, but I think about the threat for my kids. I mean, the greatest threat is them not coming to know the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be like, that's probably my greatest fear. If it and and we know we can't control that one. And we cannot control it. So I, I am therefore not underestimating. I like have, I cannot change their hearts. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's probably the thing that makes me most anxious, which I've talked about on here before is like, I just, I remember my oldest being born and within the first day just looking and weeping and thinking, I want to be in heaven with you. Mm. Like, I want you to be my sister in Christ mm. and I want you to know Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. I can't do anything. Yeah. 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 It feels, it feels heavy. feels like a lot. Yeah. So. It sounds like something you're still wrestling with. Oh, well, I mean, I just, I can't do anything. So it's like, I mean, I can be faithful and I can love God and model for her. Yeah. What that looks like. And for my other girls, you know, I want them all three to, to be with me there. But yeah. I think, I think the anxiety probably comes in if they don't, God is still good. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's like, okay. That's hard to receive, isn't Gosh, it? Gosh, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. But I think about, you know, this is a really great verse for family discipleship in general, but Paul talks about how somebody can plant the seed, somebody else water it. Totally. But only God gives the growth, right? So my job is to plant that seed over and over and over again. Yes. To water that seed over and over and over again. Yes. In my kids, we're talking about metaphorically in my kids' life, I want them to know Jesus. And it's hard because I can't make them know Jesus. I can't grant them salvific faith. Yes. And yet I'm going to do my job as faithfully as I can. I'm going to plant the seeds of faith. I'm going to water them. But it's so hard knowing like, it's not up to me. Yeah. Ultimately. But that that is such a powerful act of worship when we actually walk in that and say like, here I am, I'm, I am going to plant and I am going to water because that's, mm-hmm. that's what God asked me to do. And he's asking for my whole heart. And so when I can like open, when I can be open-handed with my children, like that is my whole heart, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to really say before the Lord, like these are yours. Yeah. yeah. 
like Job, like you give, mm, you take you, away. I you, trust you. Yeah, yeah, you have authority over all of it. I desperately want to have these children. I think of Hannah. Yeah. 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 Who's like desperately wants a child, is given a child, and then it's like, Lord, and then it's Lord, here's here's, here's your tr- your child. Yeah, that's a powerful act of worship, and and that's what we were made for, mm-hmm. is to worship God in spirit and in truth, legitimate worship, holding nothing back, right, holding absolutely nothing back, and in, uh, right now, you know, on this side of eternity, we just we can't claim it, right? right. That like we have this completely undivided heart, mm. right? Our heart says. We know God's better than everything. And yet we have these things that we're like, but I want to keep this. Right. I want to hang on to this. And I don't know what happened if I lost this. Mm. Those kinds of things, you know? I hope I'm not like pouring fuel on a fire for anybody. No. There, you know? oh, but no, I do think great. for you, Chelsea, you're, you're one of the least anxious people I know. I feel Thank like you. I see you very- I'm an Enneagram 7, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means, but They're I know it's favorite. witchcraft, right? <laughs> oh, is that your favorite, Cassie? I'm an 8 with a 7 wing, but 7s make oh, me better. I love wings. <laughs> so I like being around 7. Okay. Chelsea says I'm a 10, so oh. is that- oh, That feels, that's like, a, that's that feels like a preacher joke. in an Enneagram joke. Dang it. Like, used it before. This guy's got jokes. Oh, I like it. Okay. Uh, but you are one of the least anxious people I know. Thanks. Is there a point where you'd say like, yeah, I do struggle with anxiety. Like, I just see you so secure in the Lord in so many things, including with our children. What is anxiety? Is there a struggle for you in that area? Well, I think with like the growing epidemic of anxiety, it's actually made me a little self-conscious. Kind of like what you, you and you talked about, like not what's crying wrong? at your grandpa's funeral and you're yeah. like, what's wrong with me? I, I've had a little bit of like, oh Why no. Why Like maybe I am like, have like a deadly form of apathy about everything. <laughs> like I can't be bothered. And it's not that I'm like, full of peace. It's that I'm like, just don't, don't, care. don't care. I do not care about anything. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. Uh, that's not, that callous. is definitely not the case. I hope. <laughs> just so hardened in my heart. No, yeah. I, I think I get anxious about things, you know? You are, you get pessimistic about things. Yeah. I don't well, know if you that's get That's a coping anxious. mechanism, maybe. Oh, like maybe. you like run to worst well, case scenario. She definitely copes with I like, call that um, Aggie football syndrome. Yes. If you're an Stop. Aggie football fan, <laughs> it, it will. It will crush your dreams. It will. You can't Just get your hopes it. up because you know they'll crush them. But you, is that what the you're thi- saying? Well, the, the thing is about our school is they, they get our hopes up. They taught us that when they indoctrinated oh, us. She's talking about Texas yeah. A&M football yes. and how she cared a lot. I'm talking to the listener. Me? No, I'm yes. talking to the listener who doesn't know what Aggie, Aggie yeah, football syndrome is. They taught us to get our hopes high. For the Lithuanian listeners out there. <laughs> yes. We are a top 10 parenting cup podcast in India, and I just want them to know the and Aggies are a football team. And we're a top Christian podcast in Kazakhstan. Yeah. Thanks so to them, two American missionaries. So <laughs> <laughs> they know about Aggie football and how disappointing it is. Um, anyhow. Pessimism. Um, yeah, pessimism. It definitely creeps in, but I, I honestly feel like the the Lord has done a lot for my pessimism. Uh, yeah. I, I think the Lord has refined that a lot to to be able to hope mm. and have hope that's and uh, have that confidence that our hope doesn't put us to shame. And I think that's a lot of what like where my cynicism was rooted is like not wanting to feel stupid um, because yeah. you hope something or ex- yes, even if it was just to myself, yeah. just yep. feeling like a fool. Um, I, th- I think the Lord has really done a lot for me in my heart in that area to go like, Mm. that's his promise is that he's not going to put us to shame. And so we can hope for good things Mm -hmm. and we can even expect good things. And then when we don't get what we we think was good or however we defined it, we can still go, but I have good things because God is good. Yeah, He is good and I have him. And so we are okay. But I I think I have anxious thoughts sometimes, you know? Yeah, I'm sure you do. You get nervous. 
Sure. Yeah, you get nervous before. I've seen you get nervous before speaking in mm. front of crowds and things like that. I yeah. remember there. I don't want to do anything ever. <laughs> <laughs> I remember not that we're calling out Chelsea's anxiety. I just like yeah. since I cried, I get to do this. Yeah. Um, I remember when Adam announced church planning, there being a little bit like, oh gosh, a lead pastor. And it wasn't that mm-hmm. you weren't afraid that he couldn't do it. You were afraid about other people. Mm. You want to protect and be like, no, he's yeah. the best man I know. He is absolutely worthy of this. And anybody that comes at him, you know, it was kind of like well, that were, strong, mm-hmm. like the anxiety kind of played itself out and was kind of like. Mm. There was also so a sense in you of like uh, a pastor's wife should be a woman who makes casseroles, plays piano, and you're like, that is just not Chelsea Griffin. Yeah. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. We had a you're lot so of conversations around that. that. Well, we're I not comparing golf. you to others. You play golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, She's like, I'm great. not a regular pastor's wife. I'm a cool pastor's wife, yeah. you know? I know what Sunday scaries mean. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Learning all the Young time. Young and hip. No, no, I have anxious thoughts. Um, Genuinely, I am super, I am grateful for the Mm. Lord and for his word because when we feel anxious, doesn't it feel like our, like our heads are spinning? And so I'm so grateful that he speaks to this. And it's kind of funny to me that like the Lord, uh, that like anxiety feels like a modern problem, Mm. but the scriptures speak to it. Right. You know, Um, yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. The scriptures speak to this. And really, I mean, the Bible talks about fear more than just about anything when it, when it comes to like commands and advice to us. Yeah. It, it's a lot about fear. Mm. And anxiety essentially is fear, right? Yeah, I love that there's 365 times in the Bible where it says, do not fear. So there's one for like, every day. Did you just yeah. know that? Well, I just always thought it'd be, somebody out there must That's have already amazing. written the like one, one verse a day for the yeah. year about oh, do not fear. Right. I'm sure somebody out there's done it. Yeah. Uh, because that number has always stuck should. with me. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's forthcoming. Here we go. Self-published. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be called Do Not Fear, but mm, doesn't mean we're not going to get you. Except fear the Lord. You know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I got to fear the Lord. You, gotta, you do got to fear the Lord. But yeah. But, 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 but the, word, the word of God combats our, yes, it our anxiety. It Amen. combats our fear in a way that like I couldn't settle myself. Yeah. But God's word speaks to me. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrim's Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey, listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. 
Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Chelsea's been a blessing to me, Cassie. This won't surprise you one bit. In her security, in her stability, because I am, I, I get a lot of anxious thoughts. I have trouble sleeping on a regular mm-hmm. basis because something's going on. Right now, it'll be something as simple as our flag football team. Coaching flag football can make me anxious. I want to I wanna do a good job. I want to win. And I want to do a good job uh, helping the kids have fun. And I, I get anxious about it. I want to do a great job as a pastor. Like, you put any role in front of me, my husband role, my fatherhood role with each individual kid. So three different ones, a uh, role as a boss at the church, role as a preacher at the church, mm. uh, you know, being a comforter in the time of need at the church, like any one of those, I can um, just uh, analyze over and over and again in my head, what's forthcoming or what has happened. Uh, Chelsea, uh, I've shared this story a million times, maybe even on the podcast before, but when I was getting assessed for church planting, uh, there's this moment in our marriage that was so... It was just quintessential for this moment for me where I was getting up to be assessed as a preacher, Cassie. And so I've got to preach in front of- Gosh, that sounds like a night. It was terrible. So yeah, 50, 50 pastors are about to listen to me preach for about 15 minutes. And then as soon as I'm done, pick they all apart. raise their hands. Yeah, they pick it apart. They yeah. tell you what you should have done, how you should have done it. You shouldn't have done this, should have done that. I'd ask those 50 pastors to teach a kid's lesson and then be like- Yeah, I'd be like, I turned the table on apart. them. Yeah, why don't you do it? Yeah. But, and, they're, and they're like, we do and we're qualified. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> But right before I went up there, I was super nervous. And Chelsea just asked me, she said, like, are you nervous? Are you anxious right now? And I said, yeah. Mm. She said, are you worried about what these people are going to think about you? I said, of course I am. And she said, well, then you should be terrified. You should be nervous. I was like, Chelsea, this is not helping me right now. Like, I'm really nervous. And she said, if you think being a pastor is going to be about Mm. impressing a group of people with the the way that you say things, then you need to be nervous. That is not why we're going to be leading a church. And it was such a blessing to me. I think about that conversation still all the time, Mm. not just in the sense of of being a pastor, that I think about it in the sense of being a father who wants to lead my kids, who wants to see them come to know the Lord. I think about it as a friend, as a, a husband. I think about it in any, again, any role I have, I think about how like, if I'm doing this for the Lord, why would I be anxious? He has not been silent about mm-hmm. what he's asked me to yeah. do. Yeah. Now, if I'm worried about what people will think or whether or not I can approve of myself, then yeah, I have a lot to be afraid of because mm-hmm. those things are fickle. And the Definitely. Proverbs would say, that's a snare. Yep. The yeah. fear of man is a trap. You step into it. It looks like it's something good. Oh, I'm just going to make people happy. It's, it's a trap. Yeah. Yeah. So now anxiety is not just about people pleasing, but my my brand of it has a lot to mm. do with that. Like, mm. am I doing a good job and do other people think I am? Or mm. am I forgettable? I'd feel better if people just didn't notice, you know, but unfortunately I have a very public job. So people see me do my job every week. Yeah, you know? it's tricky. Yeah, let's talk about strengths for a second. We talked a, a lot about these things, but before we turn to the corner, anything that you guys think, like we talked about Chelsea's strengths. Cassie, anywhere you think this is going really well for you? Yeah, I think early in my relationship with Eric, actually, God taught us something when we were engaged. He, or no, it was actually right before we got engaged. He struggled with some anxiety and had never struggled with anxiety before. And he kind of took it as a sign that like, well, I wasn't anxious before we were dating. So, so it's you. 
Oh, you're yeah. contagious. You this story. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, sorry, babe. messed up. Sorry, babe. <laughs> no, but he he essentially was like, I think maybe it's God's way of saying we shouldn't be together. We shouldn't be dating. Oh wow. And I. I don't, I don't, it must have been the spirit because I just, at my, I just out of my mouth came, that's not how God leads his children. Yeah. It's like he wouldn't give you anxiety to lead you out of a situation. Like that's not, like anxiety is not of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. That's like he didn't say, yeah, be anxious if you're doing something wrong. Well, what's anxiety is rooted in jumping to conclusions. And what you're talking about there is like he took anxiety and then jumped to another conclusion. Totally. Yes. And that doesn't mean that, that for some people, breakups, that not, oh, no. there are good breakups. We can don't plenty right? of breakups. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But to jump to conclusions at the detriment of another when God has not led you there yeah. is not something we're, we're uh, yes. condoning. Yeah. So the obviously we ended up together. I you know, strong-armed him. But, Praise um, the Lord. <laughs> no, we prayed and fasted and God was so kind. But I think in from then on, anytime there's anxiety around decision-making or whatever, it's like, that's not God leading. That's not, anxiety is not from him. Right. Yeah. That's our own flesh trying to manufacture control or yeah. like take control of a situation. And then I think the other thing was, a mentor somewhere in college taught me that when I'm struggling with anxiety, that oftentimes it's because I'm focused on myself or my circumstances. And she just taught me to read through the Psalms and like highlight attributes of God and who Good. he is mm-hmm. simply just to to get the eyes off of me. Because it's like, as long as I'm thinking about me, the enemy has like room to play and yeah. to kind of like yeah. play his hand and um, distract and sure. You know, mess with me. But once I start declaring who God is, um, it kind of melts away. Mm-hmm. And that has been such a gift and something I've held on to and and still do. I don't have to like I don't have several Bibles with highlighted Psalms. Um I just go back to one and I just start repeating. Or if it, if I'm somewhere without my Bible, I just repeat the ones that I know from that's good. Bible studies and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, for me it, anxiety has a propensity around it, particularly family discipleship, not just because it's so important for me that we lead our kids well, Mm. but because we put ourselves forward as people who talk about this. You know, we talk about it on a podcast. We've written about it. We talk about it at our church. And so I feel like the pressure is increased and therefore the anxiety comes easier for me. Mm. Say, am I doing a good job leading our family spiritually? Will there be a good result in my family? Will my kids appreciate this or despise me for it? Mm. And so that creates like a new sense of anxiety. Now for a parent who's not, you know, doing a podcast about family discipleship, I know there are similar amounts of pressure to do a good job, do it well, do it right. And that can lead to a higher propensity for anxiety. I'll share the scripture for me that's really helpful. And it's also related to where I believe I'm, I'm strong in this area. This is a scripture that the Lord's put on my heart a ton lately, is when, uh, you guys all know the story, when Martha and Mary are with Jesus in their home, and Martha says to Jesus, do you remember what she says? She's, She's like, like, tell Mary to get over here. Yeah, that's the way we always kind of culturally remember in our stream is like, tell Mary to work work this thing. <laughs> no, what does it really she say? St- she starts with this, do you not care? Mm-hmm. She says to Jesus, it's first an accusation. Dang. Do you not care that my sister is not helping me? Mm-hmm. And then you remember what Jesus says to her? You guys remember? He says she's chosen what's better. Yeah. Again, that's the part we remember. But he starts by saying, I'm not calling you. I'm just no, saying I'm loving I, this. I know, I'm, I'm the same way. That's how I just remembered it. But he starts by saying, Martha, Martha, you are troubled and anxious about mm-hmm. so many things. Mm-hmm. Come on, Jesus. Like Jesus sees her. He recognizes this He's in so her. Great. Just like <laughs> the absolute Martha. best. And I, I feel that, like, I'm like, totally. I feel like if I'm around Jesus, I'm going, I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm doing what you're supposed to, I'm doing what you're supposed to, I'm trying to do a good job. And he'd be like, Adam, Adam, you are troubled and anxious about a great many things. And then he turns to Mary and he says, Mary has chosen the one good thing, and that's mm. not going to be taken from her. 
He doesn't say like, we don't need to serve one another. He doesn't say don't love one another. He just says like, it, Mary's chosen a really good thing. It's Jesus not going to be taken so from her. He's so kind. He mm-hmm. is so kind. He's so kind in that. I love what about that, that like, he's not, he's not going to like condemn. He doesn't, he's not condemning. No. You know, he's just saying, I see you. I see he your worry. But he's her. not going to condemn Mary in order to yeah. make Martha feel better. Good. You know, to say like, I'm just going to try to like kind of puff you up a little bit or or satisfy you. Yeah. Like that's so direct to say she's chosen what's better and it, it won't be taken from her. Amen. And he's saying that's his presence. Mm. Yeah. And, and that is our greatest good. And so he's not going to deny that yeah. in order to, to comfort anybody about what they're up to. But he is so, so powerfully good. Same thing in the story of the woman at the well. That story is so powerful to me because you just, you don't hear this sense of condemnation. And, and so something I was anxious about this episode is, is making our people, there's so many people at our church that we love that um, feel ministered to by our podcast. And we know they struggle with anxiety. And I just think immediately, gosh, I hope we don't make them feel condemned. Oh. Feel worse. Feel no. bad for being anxious, no. you know? And oh, like, no. I just want them to hear Jesus's voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's not condemning. He's saying, I see your anxious thoughts. I see it, but come sit with me. Yeah. Just come over here and come be with me. Amen. And there's so, so like, just like with the woman at the well, there's this invitation. He's saying, I, I see it. He's not denying that, but he's yeah. also saying just, but, but come, come be with me. Yeah. The way that scripture describes Mary is sitting and listening to Jesus word. Mm. I'm like, that's what I need. That's what we need. It is. If I could just sit and listen. Not, not inactivity is not the answer to every anxiety. No, but the word of God is. Yeah. So I think about the scramble I go through in our home or in at work or wherever to like, oh, make everything, you know, do everything right. Mm. Go, if I could just be at peace, receive from God. Mm-hmm. It's actually the same question, do you not care, that the disciples ask in the calming of the storm yeah. story. Mm-hmm. When they're they're in the storm and Jesus is asleep. And I think it's so funny. We use the word calm all the time for the storm, but it's actually how Jesus behaves in that story is he's so calm. Yeah. The storm is raging and everybody is, there's just this dramatic response in the disciples. And they say, do you not care that we are about to die? And then he stands and calms the storm. Remember what he says to them in that moment? Oh, you of little faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In other words, like if we just trusted him, yeah. There wouldn't there'd be so much in us that would freak out. That would be, uh, that would be so concerned. And this is why he warns us against it. Not just because it's not good for us to be anxious, mm-hmm. because we don't have to be. Yeah. There's something better for us in the trust of God, in the faith we can put in God, than the scramble to go. But what if I could control my circumstances? Mm-hmm. And what if the worst thing happens? Yeah. Yeah. He's so much better. So what do you say? A parent comes to you and they say, I'm really struggling with anxiety. Or my kid, I'll tell you, this is in our own, in the Griffin household. My kid is really struggling with anxiety. What would you say? Cassie, what do you say to a parent for whom anxiety is a struggle? Ooh, I mean, I think that, you know, we last episode, if these are airing in order. (laughs) Yeah. Last episode, you talked about knowledge leading to love. Yeah. And it made me think of our, the paradigm that we teach a lot with kids is the no love, trust, obey. Like the sequence of things being... In order, more knowledge, more love, more love, more trust. Yeah. And so I think that without condemning, I would be asking like, what's your time like in the word? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we can't all be monks. We can't retreat and spend days, you know. Yeah. Yep. But is this their dedicated time you, yeah. to, to giving God the worship of gratitude? Right. And we know how gratitude 
just kills anxiety. Yeah. When I'm most anxious, yeah. my priorities are upside down. I can right. look at my calendar right. and I can see, okay, I've like I've misprioritized my time in my life yeah. and need to get back to what's most important, which is presence. It's being Mary. It's sitting and being with Jesus and being in his word. And then knowing that the word of God is living, it's active, and it is like our defense That's against right. the schemes of the enemy. That's and I right. think, I mean, anxiety is a plague for us right now. Our kids are growing up in an anxious society mm-hmm. and um, the word of God can stand against it. And I know I'm not trying to be like, I know that like what Adam said, there are cases where anxiety is so prevalent and it needs an actual diagnosis and medication and a plan to combat. Um, but I think about, man, if we could give our kids a framework for anxiety at a young age, like a yeah. biblical worldview and framework, and if we can um, continually point them to, to scripture and presence of Jesus, then I think that would help a lot, at least as they as they kind of move about in their days, mm-hmm. kind of combating their own their own anxieties. Yeah, which may require looking really different. Like you said, we we can't all be a monk in retreat, but then sometimes you go, yeah, it, it might make us look freakish um, if our family doesn't do sports near as many things as yeah. other families do. And so maybe that results in my child not, not you know, knowing taekwondo and piano and all of those things, it, it, if that's part of it. But sometimes it, I think it could really require yeah. a pretty big overhaul of our life. But man, what would we do to be free, right? Yeah. Right? So the, of, the fruit yeah. of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And yes. if those mark, if the fruit of the Spirit marks your life, then how free are you? And so what would you, what would you trade for it? Could, could we give something up? Mm-hmm. Is there something in our schedule that could go in exchange for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mm-hmm. faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. I think those are we we should we should seek those things yeah. and pay the yeah. price for them. And so if that's what it requires because I do think some of the the modern aspect of of the prevalence mm-hmm. has to do with um, with newer things, being o- over-involved mm-hmm. and over-aware when it comes to like social media, oh. comparison, stuff like that. And so um, it can feel like a huge price to pay to say, I'm going to get off of those things or our family is just going to say no mm. to X, Y, and Z. Remember during COVID how some of us felt like a huge burden lifted? It was so great. When like everything went away. And although some of that was sad, mm-hmm. you know, some things were sad. Like if your kid's birthday party got canceled or whatever. Some of those things were sad, but some of it, I think, was eye-opening for mm-hmm. us. Well, and I think that we are choosing our kids' priorities, mm-hmm. for, especially yeah. while they're young. We're deciding yeah. what their time is filled with. And yeah. by doing that, we're teaching them what's important. And then it's like, it's worth us running around and acting like crazy people yeah. if it gets you to your practice on time or gets us to hear, you know, all yeah. the things. And then especially when we sacrifice our Sabbath, you know, yeah. I think the man keeping the Sabbath holy is... yeah. Yeah. Is really important rhythms to our rest and our sanity. Yeah. And it's wild that like the Lord's given us a lot of commands for our flourishing. Yeah. And then when we're not flourishing, uh, we we fail to sometimes to say, like, have I looked into those things that God gave? Those were right. gifts, right? God wasn't punishing us no. by saying keep the Sabbath. Right. That wasn't a punishment and that wasn't something that he desperately needed from us. He was saying, you actually need yeah. this. Then we forego it, and we like we forego a lot of his commands, and then we're surprised when we're not experiencing uh, the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this may be a hot take, and I definitely don't have some mm. clinical background for this, but anecdotally, a lot of our friends who have the most also seem to be the ones who struggle with profound anxiety the most. Anecdotally, 
Sure. Like we have a lot of friends that are wealthy that have a lot of anxiety. So I'm not saying they are related to one another. What I'm saying is I think here's a tendency that I think happens. For parents, we think if we could get our kids comfortable and if mm. we could get our kids happy, they wouldn't be anxious. But instead, what we do in that is create a kid who is not resilient because they do not face the problem because they don't feel the problem because I've solved the problem before it happened. You have mm. everything you need. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that because I'm going to give it to you. And then the kid's kind of accurate in the sense of like overestimating the th- their threats and underestimating their ability to deal with it. There's an accuracy there because they're going, I've actually never faced anything. Never faced no. anything. Yeah. And so everything is scary. Yeah. And so having is sometimes our coping mechanism. If I could just solve this by having enough. Yeah. If I had enough in the bank, I don't have to worry about it. If Scarcity I have insurance, I don't have to worry about it. If I have, you know, we, we have all these earthly solutions, but if we trusted God, we know none of those are going to solve yeah. your anxieties. Well, the more we have, the more there is to lose. Too. Yeah, it's totally. Like, uh, so I'm not saying mm. like the richer you are, the more anxious you are. I'm just saying, I don't think wealth solves this. And it's often the cure we look for. Even if you wouldn't call it wealth, it's making your kids happy. It's giving them what they want. And instead, I think one of the cures for anxiety, would, for your kids at least, would be building resilience. Helping them grapple with struggle. Yeah. How do you face something difficult and deal with it? And and, and see God's presence in it to go like, how do you face something difficult and look to the Lord in the midst of it and say, help me, sustain Mm me. Um, Our kids have been a part of just so many losing teams. It's wild. So many. And it's Uh, so good for them. I hate it and it's so good for them. Yeah, it's awful um, because I just so desperately want to celebrate a victory with my children and I don't know what day that's coming. But but our kids have been on a lot of losing teams. But, but, I mean, we've had years of it and we've actually seen how it's really refined them. Every single time in the moment, it it feels pretty yucky, you know. Um, But we've seen how much the Lord has refined them through that. To go like, they're never going to go to a game at any level and go, what if I lose? Will I be able to handle it? They (laughs) (laughs) They know. (laughs) They know. We good. We can move on to winning now. Uh, Yeah, they know. They can just come home and play dad and ping pong and I'll show them. That's right. I'll show them how to lose. Yeah. I I mean, it makes me think about the rich young ruler when Jesus is like, if you want to follow me, you got to sell it all. Yeah. You know, and like what we lose and we gain Christ. Right. Amen. And right. we're, losing, we're so convinced that there's a possibility that we're going to lose everything when Jesus has promised us everything, yeah. everything. He has already, already solved yours. our yeah. greatest problem, yeah. right. solved it, taken care of. And so we might face something catastrophic. All those things that we fear, they might actually happen. Mm-hmm. And the Lord will still be with us. Yeah. The deposit, the guarantee, what he's given us in his spirit yeah. cannot be taken. No one's taking that. I'd also encourage like a study of the promises of God because you mm-hmm. think about That's like, good. yeah, it makes me think of how important God's promises are. And for us to know them is to be able to say, okay, there's a yes to that promise in Christ. And so we can claim those promises and find a lot of peace. And sometimes the promises are uncomfortable. Like, you know, we, we teach in our kids ministry, like God promises we will suffer and at his level sustain us. Yeah. Good. So we can expect to suffer. We don't have to be surprised by suffering. Yeah. Right. Um, or, or we're work, not outside the will of God when things go hard. Right. No. Or work hard to avoid it and say, I've yeah. got to do all these things to make sure I don't suffer. Yeah. I feel like we're going to need a future episode on resilience. I yeah. think we need to find. And we might have one this season. We'll okay. see. Tack it on. Vices and virtues. Let's Ooh. talk about it. Uh, I do want to say too, one really important thing that I want to make really clear. Sometimes when you talk about anxiety, people who are anxious translate everything that's being said as stop being anxious. Like the advice is just, hey, just stop being anxious. Just don't be anxious anymore. 
Just stop. And you read the Bible verse that says, be anxious about nothing. And you translate that and go, God's telling me to stop doing something that I can't stop. It's like you have a stone on your chest weighing you down to the ground and it's so heavy you can't lift it. And somebody is saying to you, just push it off. Mm. And you're going, I can't push it off. Well, just push it off. Just don't have it on you anymore. And the anxious person is going, that sounds really nice. That sounds really convenient. At the same time, I'm telling you, I can't do anything. Yes, I can't do this. So yes, we lean on the Lord. One of the verses I go back to again and again is 1 Peter 5, verse 7. And in that, he quotes, I think it's Psalm 55, Mm. which is that you need to cast all your, you can cast all your burdens. 1 Peter, we had translated in the ESV as, cast all your anxieties onto the Lord. And it says in the same language it uses in the Martha and Mary story, the same language it uses in the calming of the storm story, it's because he cares for you that you can cast all your burdens onto him. In other words, your one hope in any anxious moment, your one hope in any circumstance, while there are a lot of great strategies of how to breathe in that moment, how to regulate your emotions in that moment, how you help your kids do that, listen to me, the one hope in everything is Jesus. And that's why God warns us against anxiety. That's why he says, like, you don't need to worry because you're going to be like the man who's in the storm who built the house on the rock. And mm-hmm. when the storm comes, your house is still standing right. because God's not going anywhere. Preach. The God who's near to the brokenhearted, he's near. He's not, he didn't abandon you when your heart's broken. The God who's shepherding you through the valley of the shadow of death, he didn't go, how did we end up here? No, he shepherded you there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he is with you. And it's that God who says, cast all your burden. That word cast means literally like, chuck it. Mm-hmm. Just chuck it onto God and say, this is yours. And that starts with prayer. It starts with, I would say, with articulating what is difficult. So articulating that to God, articulating that to a, um, a someone who's discipling you. For your kids, if you're the one discipling them, it starts with letting them articulate what is making you, mm-hmm. if you could put words to what's making you anxious, if you could put words to your emotions, how would you describe it? Let's articulate it. And then let's give that to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to trust you with this because this is a rock so big I can't move it. So God, can you please help me with this? Mm-hmm. And don't be surprised if God's response to you is something along the lines of, yeah, you're worried and troubled about a great many things. Mm. And there's one really sweet thing, and that is sitting and listening to the Word of God. So let's do that. And he's not saying like, hey, instant cure. No one is promised instant cure, although we know God can do it. He might do it for you, but we are promised that He is good no matter what, and you don't need to be anxious about anything. Mm. It's Sunday. You can just keep preaching. You got... Uh, Isn't too much of a sermon right there? No, No, I loved it. needed it. It was so good. Okay. I was just going to lead parents who, if you're talking with your kids about anxiety, to talk about the Matthew 6, the section 25 through 34. I think it's great. Just read it uh, with your kids. And it's great because it talks about flowers and birds and nature and kids love that. And then you can like go and observe. Yeah. What's the point there? The point is that he cares. He cares for you so much more than he cares for those things. And look, he's clothing the lilies of the field and feeding the birds and they don't yeah. they don't worry and how much more does he care for you who's made in his image I love it that yeah. he would provide and so I love it there's a place in the scripture where it talks about how people are more valuable than sheep which seems like a weird mention <laughs> but sheep are really valuable yeah. and uh, I love the picture of David as the shepherd I think it's 1 Samuel 17 when he's kind of given his resume to Saul yeah. before he fights Goliath and Saul says why would I let you fight the giant and he goes mm. well when a bear or a lion would come and take uh, one of my sheep I would chase him and once I'd rescued the sheep I would grab the beard of the lion or the or the bear and I would strike it until it's dead 
crazy. and just go, man, how much do you have to value a sheep to go? Well, to a bear or liner took one. You know what? I'm going to get that sheep back. And you know what? Once I rescue that sheep, I'm going to kill that bear with my hands. And that's when Saul goes, okay, would you like to use my armor? Would you would like, let's go, let's fight the giant. I love it. Yeah. But I love that that's the picture of the good shepherd. Remember when Jesus talks about, I think it's John 10 or John yeah. 11, he says, I'm the good shepherd. And he talks about like a, a hired hand is going to run away mm-hmm. when the wolf comes, but not me. I'm yeah. here. Like I will lay down my life that's for right. these sheep. And that's the way God that's cares good. for you. And we know that's true because we see it in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How much does God care for you? He has already, like Chelsea said, he has solved your greatest problem. Yeah. The worst thing that could happen to you will not happen. Mm -hmm. The best thing that can happen to you is guaranteed. That's right. And so that is the gospel truth. And so I get there's a lot of other things in this life that we get afraid of or we get worried about. And there are real pains and real dangers. But the worst thing that can happen to the Christian, it will not happen. It is secured Mm -hmm. in Christ. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you listeners, and we'll be back with you next week.